Well, it's great. We're, uh, we're looking at how to shine. And actually, that reminds me a little bit of my son-in-law. Um, one of the reasons we're going over to uh, the UK is he's, um, he had a career in um, uh, film video and, and came, to, came to Jesus and, uh, and married my daughter, our youngest daughter. And they've got a little boy, which uh, is exciting for them. But they are pastoring in the middle of London. And exciting things in London because uh, there, are, um, there are just teams of young people that are taking over the old churches, the old beautiful old big churches that have great history and that are diminishing. And so these teams of young people that are filled with the love of God are going in there and making a real difference in this city. So it's an exciting place. So we, we hope to learn something that we can, we can bring back here too. But he's being ordained in... Uh, in late June, so we, I'm, I'm really keen to be there. We want to be. There. He doesn't really have much of a dad uh, that he knows at all, so um, we're, we're being his uh, mum and dad, uh, and so that's a, that's going to be a privilege. So Psalm 32 and how to shine, how to live the blessed life, and how to live well. Uh, in fact, our seniors groups called li- we have a thing called living well, uh, and that's one of the amazing things that Jesus does is he brings us into life and everything about you know Jesus brings meaning in life one of the stories I often tell when I when I when I talk about how I came to Christ was uh, uh, I, I remember going uh, cycling in the middle of the night uh, I was a bit of a party animal and uh, and I, I went around this historic clock tower in uh, in my in the city of Christchurch and it had four faces, and I went round those faces, and one was truth, uh, one was charity, one was hope, and one was peace. And uh, uh, very powerful Christian symbols uh, of Christ and, and of what he's done for the human race. And I looked around, and I thought, and I looked at the word hope, and I thought, what a pathetic word. But it was more of a, a, a depiction of my own hopelessness, really, and my own poverty of words. Because it wasn't months, it was only months later when God came into my life dramatically and suddenly words had, no me- had new meaning like never before. Almost every word had a new meaning. And I, used to, I didn't used to like words that much. And in fact, I, even though I was at u- you know, university, I, um, I was a, I would, you know, I hesitate to read. Uh, I would prefer to do something. But I suddenly found there was a book that I loved reading because it was full of meaning. It was pregnant. It was full. It was bursting with meaning. In fact, I was living in a haunted house, and it was the best way to get to sleep, to read the Bible. Um, And uh, anyway, um, what I realized then, and I don't know if you've heard that, you know, the grass, uh, when a person has found Christ, the the grass looks greener, the sky looks bluer. The birds sing more sweetly in the sky. It's one of those great old sayings. <laughs> but it's true. Life has meaning when uh, Christ comes in. And not just more meaning, it's ultimate meaning. And so the dictionary becomes the most incredible word. In fact, the dictionary doesn't do justice to the meaning of words. And when you look right into words, their meaning, um, th- this is... Uh, we're on the Lenten Road at the moment. We're looking at, uh, at what God has done for us through Christ. And 
the word, you know, when we're talking about Lent, L-E-N-T, which is, relates to the 40 days that Jesus um, spent in the wilderness. And so as he came into his ministry, it was a picture of what he would suffer at the cross. But as he went into this time of, of temptation, it was pushing through barriers uh, uh, and temptations that we might know God and that our lives might be full of meaning. And of course, the cross itself, is it, it shows love. It shows the love of God. It shows the nature of God, who he is, uh, Christ dead and crucified for us all. That really brings meaning, the quality of words that, ha- that are of, of any value at all. So um, I, I just, I've been just exhilarated by you know, the, the amazing uh, colour you know, that, that comes into our lives. Whether it's, and I've just put a list here, whether it's you know, words, colour, the planet Earth, creatures, relationships, life, death, recreation, politics, pleasure, suffering, music, sound, food, all things find their genesis and revelation in the wonder-working power of God's redeeming accomplishment in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection for all who will receive forgiveness and blessing in him. So moving on, um, actually, is there a uh, clicker? Um, Or if someone, yeah, could click it, that'd be great. Thank you. Beautiful. So in this psalm, um, um, it's it's a masculine, it's a wisdom poem, and uh, and as I've uh, put it here, there's selah all the time. And I was just saying with Josh, I don't know if you know what selah means. And sometimes when I've read a passage, I don't know about you, but I've I've read the selah between, but actually it's not supposed to be even mentioned. What it actually means is music starts. So. As what, yeah, the music starts. So pause and and really indulge in these words, you know, of the of the psalm. Uh, and so that's what I don't know if that, that was. New, I learned something new this week. <laughs> Praise God. So um, it starts off. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, in whose sin is covered. Blessed is the, uh, the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So here we have Beatitudes. I don't know if you've heard of Beatitudes. Uh, in, in the book, in Matthew, Jesus begins his discourse on the mount with the Beatitudes. And, um, and so we see, you know, he's drawn from this tradition in the Psalms. Uh, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. So it's, it's interesting that, that, I mean, Jesus in the Beatitudes talks about blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed uh, are those who hunger for righteousness, the merciful, um, those who stand for justice, you know. But here uh, in the Psalms, the psalmist, uh, who's probably speaking uh, from his own experience of really blowing it, of making a, f- a terrible mistake in his family life that's going to affect his the rest of his life and he's had to crawl back to God and uh, but he's found God in his journey back and so he says blessed is the person 
who's transgressed, in other words, who's violated his relationship with God. And when we're talking about God, it also means people as well, uh, the, whose sin is, is, is covered. Blessed is the one who's against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. What it's talking about is the blessedness. We've talked about you know, the, the life that comes in to a person who turns to God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. But there's a blessedness here in living right, in being right, in living well. And, and talking about living well, it's not in a diminished sense, but I'm talking about living well in its fullness. I mean, you can be a multi-millionaire, you can have incredible power and assets, but live in incredible poverty at the same time. And uh, what we're talking about here is, uh, and, and I remember someone saying, I'd rather be in God's presence for one minute than have a million dollars, you know. And so the value of righteousness, of living right, of having this favor with Almighty God, of living in blessing, uh, inexplicable uh, blessing, is the most desired thing, the most blessed thing a human being can have. So um, it go, the, um, the, uh, the psalmist goes on. He says, For when I kept still, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Now, I guess in these days, it seems to be more and more that we live in a culture that tends to diminish when we make mistakes. In fact, you know, one of the first things you learn when you've made a, um, a, a, some, a tragic mistake, don't confess it, don't admit to it, because... Uh, legally, you could be in trouble. So there's, there's a go-to point of denial that we tend to have in s society. And we tend to, I, I, this is my observation, is that we tend to work through, through life in a way that can often avoid our, the mistakes we make with people and certainly with God because, of course, God will forgive us, you know, and he's very kind. He's a bit like a big Father Christmas. You know, he will overlook the things that we do wrong. And, and so we have this assumption, in the end, it's going to be okay. But what it tells us here, and what the psalmist says, being upright, being squeaky clean, being absolutely 100% uh, uh, good with God is the, is the greatest blessing in this life. And that when we muff it up, and when we... Um, fail to recognize our shortcomings, I mean, we, it's, we, uh, we show a shamelessness, really. And a shameless culture uh, in which sorry is not enough. You know, sorry is not enough. And the statement, we are only human. It seems to be a, a statement, I'm only human, he's only human, she's only human. We tend to override and overlook and dismiss the... In fact, sin is such a hated word. It's a, 
It's a word that we, the sin bin, we, we try to marginalise that word from our vocabulary because it's uncomfortable. In fact, it's offensive to a lot of people. Um, and so um, what we find here is a, a, a challenge to us to get right. Now, we, um, we had uh, a young lady, Renata, with us, living with us for uh, several years. And just recent times, she's, uh, she was here last week, but she, she's um, moved out and, and we, were, we were just you know, glad to have Renata with us. But she left a parting gesture in that she gave us this little vacuum cleaner. She left. And the thing about this vacuum cleaner, um, it is robotic. And uh, this is new to us. And uh, in fact, we wondered what it was, you know, what it did. Now, and now we have a new friend in our house called, called Roby. <laughs> and uh, Roby is, is circular about that, about um, that round and about that high. And Roby finds his way around the house and he's mapped our house completely. And he goes around and he's got little swishing uh, uh, blades, uh, fan sort of brushes around. And he collects up all the earth, and he's absolutely meticulous. He calculates every wall, every, everything in its way. And um, why I mention this is because as we look at Lent, and what this psalm is, a, is regarded as a penitential psalm, it's a confessional psalm. And so it, it's bringing us, it shows us the importance of confessing our sins to God, of being clean with God, and doing it regularly, doing it often and keeping our spiritual house clean. So the, the coming 40 days of, of Lent, give us an opportunity in the year, if you haven't done it before, to really get the house clean. Now the thing about Roby is he's amazing. In fact, Leanne follows him around the house. And, <laughs> and, uh, but we've learned that Roby cannot do his job unless we clear the decks. Okay, so as much space as we can give him, and he goes under couches. He goes under beds where nobody <laughs> cleans, you know. He goes places where nobody goes. But um, he cannot go there un unless he's got clear space. So we've had to, to learn how to, to pull things out of the way so Roby can do his job. And so this is a, what they call, a, you know, this is penitential psalm. When we keep silent, you know, things waste away inside us. When we fail to... Uh, approach God when we have failed to bring things into the light of, of Christ what happens is stuff starts to happen in our, uh, our physical body our, in our personality in our spirit things start to come apart in our lives and in fact it you know it goes on there uh, it, it goes on later to do with even uh, you know, sickness and, 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 and tragedy in our lives, the way things can deteriorate when we allow things to be undealt with, unconfessed. And it's a challenge to us, you know, not only with God. It might be for us this, this, this season to come and say, Lord, I really want to be intentional. The, coming up to Easter, I want to follow you and I want you to, to shine your light in my heart. Shine your light on my life in a way that things that have been unresolved, that have been 
um, left, left, let and let go. Things that are, I know that are eating me up can be dealt with. And, and so the, you know, the psalmist describes the, the agony and the groaning of what it was and it, it seems that it's a real, you know, it's a, it's a screaming groan, you know. It's a, it's a sort of groaning with all sorts of expletives and, and accusations and that sort of, it's, a, it's something that a person is exploding. And at times we can be like that. It, it can be that, like that in our lives. But it says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I didn't cover my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. It's just such a great uh, challenge, this, um, this psalm. There's a therefore. And, and every time you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask the question, what is it therefore? Okay, there's a blessing in being clean before God. There's a blessing in being right. To get there, we often need to allow God as a servant to come into our lives and just clean us up. Like Roby, we need to allow him to come into the floor of our floor pan of our life. There are rooms there that we don't want to go into. There are rooms and floors and areas that we've neglected. But um, he, he wants to come into those areas. But we need to do something. It's called repentance or turning around, doing our part to clear the decks so he can come in. So the, the nature of reconciliation to God, the, the nature of, of getting ourselves in premium spiritual condition means that we need to participate in it. We need to do something. And, you know, baptism, as we mentioned, is part of that process. If you've, it's a thing we generally do once, we make a decision for Christ, and then baptism is that step that indicates, Lord, I want to be clean. We go under the water, we come out of it, symbolizing the death of Christ and the resurrection. It's a step in the right direction. It's a step that is seen in the unseen realm. It's a step that is seen by the community of faith around us. Uh, but it's a powerful step of cleansing in our lives in which God uh, can, uh, can do a great work of separating us for a a powerful, a wonderful Christian life. Therefore, it says, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely the rush of great waters, they shall not reach you. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And so... Um, it, it's a call here to be godly, to be godly people, to be people that are, that are unashamed, unafraid of God, unafraid of life itself. It says, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you that when you, um, when you may be found. And so what it's, what it's getting at here is that, um, that prayer, a life of prayer, a life of communicating with God is not the exception for the person who turns to you. God is, is calling the psalmist here. He's calling the, the person who's suffering, the person who's been through trial, the person who's, who's turned back to him into a life 
of communion, a life of prayer with Almighty God. And uh, it's so that when things happen, we're not caught off guard because we're living in this communion. We're not just, we're not just um, doing a one-off thing, but we're actually living a life that, that allows the cleaning of God to work in us in such a way that when things go wrong or when we have, I mean, we live in a world with war around, with, uh, we've had um, disease and what have you, when these things are around us, we are prepared if we are prepared with God. And so it says that you are a hiding place. The many Psalms that talk about the way that God longs to protect us. And I think as we come, into, come towards Easter again, it's an exhortation to be ready for whatever the world offers, the whatever the world brings, is that we have found God so powerfully that he has become a hiding place for us. And uh, preserving us in trouble, and and that we know that that he's surrounding us. Um, just having trouble moving. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. So I will instruct you. So, sorry, I'm fiddling around with these glasses. <laughs> um, I just had new glasses a little while ago, but they're not working again. So that's probably not a, a good sign. Um, but godly, those who, in, who are instructed and counseled by God, those who live in the gospel of Jesus. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And so it's moving from a place of repentance into a place of living in the counsel of God. In other words, I'm living in relationship. I'm being mentored by the Lord daily in my life. I'm, I'm not living this backward forward a sort of a sporadic relationship often in courtship it can be like that it can be on it can be off and uh and it can be a dramatic time um, we're, we're in the process of counseling two uh two young couples uh, at the moment before we uh we're finishing that at the end of this week and it just reminded us of that of the way it can often be a tenuous time when you're getting to know someone but god doesn't want us to be like that he wants us to be living in such a continuum with him uh, that, um, uh, that whatever life throws at us and whatever we're working through in our own soul, um, that, it's, that we're, we're being clean daily. We're, we're living in a way that we're ready for anything. We're on top. And, uh, and so uh, there's a sense of the instruction of God and this word, the, the maskal, an instruction in the, in the, in the Hebrew, mas, uh, maskil, it comes again, this is psalm, this story, this song of David, is to teach us uh, the way we should go. And, and so that the eye of the Lord, we're living with the eye of the Lord upon us. There's that intimacy, there's that closeness of fellowship, of relationship, and we, which we've been created for. Um, we're engaging with God. And this is unlike animals, or I think he's using the thickness of the mule and the horse, uh, the animals that people would work with and how they have to constantly yank, yank them and lead them. And uh, God doesn't want us to be like that. The psalmist is saying, we, as we yield to the Lord and as we listen to him and walk with him, then we don't have to be yanked around in life. That There's a sense of stability. There's a sense of... Con 
continuity. There's a sense of blessing so that we're not living in a drama, constant drama with things going crazy around our lives, but there's an overcoming spirit and faith in our lives so that nothing tends to upset us, so that we tend to, to have a, um, a, um, um, you know, a steady uh, mark to our life. Uh, and so uh, that's a great, um, you know, don't be thick, uh, but be smart, be godly. Okay. It says, many other, uh, many other sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love, the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So the, the first thing there that those who choose to live their lives divorced from God, in fact, they... They are angry that, they, that you would even suggest that God should be part of your life. They, are, they become indignant. I used to be like that. And I mean, I used, to get, I used to go off in a strop if anyone would try and approach me to talk about Jesus. But um, uh, you know, we live in a society that can re- be very reactive to, to the hearing about Jesus, you know, to hearing the the good news of Jesus. And even the fact that you may be a follower of Christ may be a problem to a lot of people. And, uh, and yet, what it says, they choose their way. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love, steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. In other words, as we trust in the Lord, as we rest in, as, in Him, as we're faithful, um, we will be surrounded by this covenant love of God, the word hesed. Um, it's, it's to do with a commitment of God that doesn't relent. God is the kind of God that sticks to us. When we stick to him, he will stick to us. He's not fickle or capricious like many of the, of the gods in the, in the world today, um, especially Putin, you know. Um, but he's not like that. He's a God that sticks with us, who loves us. Um, and, uh, and it says, Therefore, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So the place of those who have had their sins forgiven, who have um, had the experience of being washed by the Holy Spirit, of being washed by the blood of Christ, and, uh, and made right with God, then we, we, are, we are brought into a place of relationship with him whereby we're listening to him, we're following him, we are appreciating the work that he does to keep us. He's part of this relationship. He is a loving God. And therefore, we are blessed above all people. We are, we are known by God above all people. In fact, you know, when Peter, who, you know, denied Jesus three times and, and uh, uh, ashamed himself and, and everyone uh, when he, uh, before the cross, comes afterwards and he says to the church that he begins to serve and keep, he says, you are a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a unique people um, are called according to God to show forth the praises of him of God who brought us, of Christ who brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. We're called to shine 
We're called to live in the light. And thanks. The last one there. Okay, I'm just going to thanks the band. Begin to come now. Just in summarising, um, following the Lenten road, the cross brings us to identify with Jesus Christ as he willing res- willingly responded to God the Father's purposes in 40 days in the wilderness and later on the cross. Being stripped back to basics and holding to God's word and promises regardless of temptations, Jesus shows us how to come back to total dependence on God and into the blessings of God's righteousness. By further yielding up his life at the cross, Jesus thwarts the entrenched alienation of humanity through their willful independence and defiance of of God, sin. He provides us, thus, the only way back to who we are created to be, into right relationship with God through his suffering and death, which Lent and Easter remind us. So having repented of our sin, we recall God's faithfulness in resolving our issues. So we, we're brought into this place of repentance. And I'm going to invite you, as you take the, the bread and the wine this morning, to make it an act of repentance. It reminds us, as we regularly, and Jesus said, you know, take this as often. It, the, the, the word, part of the, um, the early Christian pattern was to take this as often as, as people came together. And it's a, it's a sign of our dependence on Christ. And it's not a, a thing we do reluctantly. It's a thing we do because it brings us into the, the greatest blessings, the greatest reality of life that a human being can experience. And it starts off with repentance, with, with turning, acknowledging our sin and asserting dependence on God's righteousness, God's rightness. And this, this morning, there are no doubt things in your life, as in mine, things that we need to bring before God. And I'm going to, let's just give a moment now to bring things where you're out of sorts. You might be out of sorts with God over something. Things may not be happening the way you'd hoped or planned. Might be an issue that's gripping your life. You're out of sorts with somebody else. Things are not running as sweetly as they should. It's time to bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, help. I need you.